Here we've got episode 119. Have you ever experienced a moment where you were struck by a lack of familiarity? Like you didn't recognise or relate to what was going on right in front of you. Kind of like you were thrust into a different perspective or point of view without blinkers on and you were like, whoa, okay, maybe it isn't all as it once seemed. Kind of like somebody shook you and all the marbles landed in a different place. If you've ever had a moment like that, and that moment began a tremendous journey that sent you down a totally different path than you ever expected, then you will feel very much at home on this episode. Today, we discuss how everything that you thought was true can totally change in an instant. How for us, Western medicine was and is not all it is presented to be, and how using your very own breath, you can begin to supply your cells with the fuel that they have been so desperately craving since the day you were born. This one's a, a bit of a roller coaster, I'll be totally honest, so you may need to listen in a couple of times over. But hold on to your hat or hold on to your breath <laughs> and let's dive into the episode. Welcome to the How to Not Get Sick and Die podcast. You've tuned in because you want to start taking your health seriously so you don't, well, get sick and die. Here we talk all things health, nutrition, and human optimization. Let's jump into it with your host and resident scientist, Maddie Lansdowne. What's up, my healthy friends? Welcome back to another episode of the show here on the podcast, Airwaves. It's my mission to coach 250 individuals to create the sustainable, healthy life that they truly want before the end of 2021. So, how are we? How you doing? You good? If you said yes, I'm stoked. If you said no, then I have an abundance of free hugs and DMs waiting for you over here. But more importantly, today's episode is without a doubt going to give you a pick-me-up because we're talking about ways to change the state of your physiology with nothing but your own physiology. With me here today is the man Neeraj Naik, who is an ex-pharmacist turned holistic health expert, founder of an international school of breathwork called Soma Breath, to which I myself have been a bit of an online student, which has been really super, super interesting and super transformative. So I'm looking forward to us talking about that today. But after working for several years, Neeraj was a community pharmacist, Niraj then saw firsthand just how ineffective and even damaging pharmaceutical drugs can be, which, as we know, is a part of my own story that I've shared throughout the episodes on this show. When he found himself a patient of stress-related depression and ulcerative colitis, he embarked on a journey of profound self-healing and education. Known internationally as the renegade pharmacist, Niraj is dedicated to educating others on topics of holistic health, breathwork, meditation, and much more. And Niraj and I connected in 2020 at the Healing Chronic Stress and Disease Summit that we were both fortunate enough to speak at. So a big shout out to Nathan Crane and Master Ming Tong Gu. And so without further ado, let's make this happen. Welcome to the show, Niraj. How are you? Great. Absolute pleasure to be here. Nice one. Oh, it's a pleasure to have you here, especially after I've been listening to your voice in my ears for cool. weeks before this, getting uh, familiar with the breathwork sessions that you run online. Beautiful. Uh, well, I hope it's... Uh... To, uh, you know, touch something deep within. <laughs> oh, absolutely. So to go back to the start of your journey, I'm really curious how you got into breathwork from being a pharmacist. And I know from myself, as I kind of alluded to in that intro, that I myself used to work in a hospital and I was in a career that sort of woke me up to, let's say, the, uh, the toxic truth and thus, you know, about Western medicine and thus I sort of spent a bit of time and it took a couple of years to get out of the system. Um, but... I really want to know your journey through that challenge because it's rare that you hear of doctors or pharmacists being quote-unquote woken up or getting out. As you could say, they're the most sort of entrenched frontline workers in the conventional medical system or narrative. Yes. So, 
I'm curious, what were the epiphanies along your journey that led you sort of out the door to where you are today? Fantastic question. So uh, actually, I started to really uh, debate all this stuff when I was actually at university because majority of the the course material is geared around uh, how to extract things from nature, concentrate them, make them into a form which can be you know taken, consumed or injected, which would lead to a highly precise result you know where um you're delivering some kind of a a dramatic change physiological change with a single ingredient and when i when i was in the like what basically the essence of the course material what i was realizing was actually this is a business this is an industry where because i'm also i was also quite into the all the ayurvedic uh stuff that comes from my own family uh, background from India and there was just such a, a strong difference between the two approaches one which was all about prevention and one which was symptomatic treat you know treating of symptoms so that's allopathic medicine so I right from being at university I wasn't really like just that drawn into to being a pharmacist and then when I actually stepped into working as a pharmacist that's when I really figured out what this whole industry is about and the fact is you you are a shopkeeper you are literally working like flat out all day long putting labels on boxes with hardly any time to speak to a patient and offer them the real care and the, the thing with pharmacy it's it's it should be the last resort according to the ayurvedic system there is a place for medication but it should be the very very last resort thing it's like an emergency but what's happened is that we've been fooled into thinking that that's the only resort it's the only thing you you should the first thing you should go to is when you're sick is go to the pharmacist or a doctor and here it rain lies the problem because the problem with medication with drugs and chemicals of any form and there is actually studies done on this uh, very um very very profound studies that show that almost every single chemical which is based on reductionist science okay it goes straight to the liver it's called the first past effect okay so and then what happens is over time if you consume a lot of medication a lot of drugs you to- you create a, t- a toxification of the liver liver fails and you get this uh, which is a huge epidemic now in the world uh, of non-alcoholic cirrhosis of the liver. It's where you get fatty, uh, uh, like, toxication of the liver because of chemicals, not just alcohol. In the past, it was because of alcohol. So now there's a new phenomenon, non-alcoholic cirrhosis of the liver. And that's what's killing people. You know, it's what's causing obesity. It's what's causing uh, diabetes. It's what's causing all these, like, met- metabolic diseases and uh like illnesses and killing people before they should die and and it's what it's doing it's basically prolonging sickness so it's more like a sick care industry you know rather than a healthcare industry it's just prolonging sickness it doesn't really solve any problems and what happens is then um and you know you see this as a pharmacist you work as a pharmacist patients come in uh and they'll be on 
one medication. A few months later, the doctors give him another one, and another one, another one. And they're just giving medications to counteract side effects of other medications. So patients end up literally like rattling as they walk because they're on so many pills. It's insane. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and I just got more and more disillusioned. And I, I, I became just like a lot of the most pharmacists and even doctors, apathetic, just doing a job because it pays the bills, don't really care anymore, don't question anything because they're just going to get shut down. So there's a lot of, a lot of doctors who are just hamsters on a wheel, just going round and round and round, living very miserable depressed lives you know and I, I was seeing this was my fate there were so many people of my generation who were miserable depressed drinking excessively every every day every weekend I would go out on the weekends and just get off my head I'd be I would be like a, a you know a chemist during the weekends and come back to work and be a pharmacist <laughs> wanted to escape your reality or extract yeah, yourself out of your reality. Yeah, horrible. And then I just had a big ne- nervous breakdown and uh, ended up... Uh, I actually went to a Tony Robbins event. That was the first eye-opening thing. So I got taken to it by a friend. I never had any yep. intention of going, but he said, you got to go. He bought me a ticket. And I went, and it was actually the best thing. It was the first uh, time I ever heard anyone talk about um, diet and nutrition and breathing as well and meditation things and and it it was there was one day all about health dedicated to health and that was literally a life-changing moment because we never get taught any of this stuff at at, at, um, university you know it's all biased towards drugs that's all it is that's all pharmacy is i mean of course it is because it's pharmacy so it's all about medication but doctors don't get any of this knowledge either so my friend who took me there was a doctor and even he was having all these aha moments. And I was like, okay, well, I'm going to, I'm skeptical. I'm, I'm very analytical. I'm in my left brain as well most of the time. So, uh, I'm going to put Tony Robbins to the test. I have so many like sick patients coming into my pharmacy every single day. Um, I, if his stuff works, then I should be able to prove it. So what I did was I came up with a way to write, um, a healthy shopping list for patients based on their medications. You only have like two minutes, five minutes max with a patient. And you have to convince them in that time to change their diet, right? Which is profound change. Most people um, you speak to, they don't even know how to make their own food. They'll go straight to the processed food counter, get ready meals, stick in the microwave, and that's their existence. They'll eat, you know, at least once a day in like a fast food restaurant or twice a day. And that's most people's, you know, like, dinner and breakfast and lunch you know people would be drink like eating like sugared cereals first thing in the morning with like you know a pint of coffee this is basically most people's existence so i was like okay i've got to figure out a way to convince people to te- follow my advice and tony robbins is good with this using nlp tactics of of painting a situation that like if they don't change it's going to be more painful than if they were yep. to change and giving people an aspiration and most people don't want to take all those pills they're they're like, they're like broken down machines like cars that have been like you put the wrong fuel into a car right you see what happens put diesel into a petrol so i tell people like an- analogies like that i'll talk about them being like a re- like a mercedes-benz with a diesel engine and they've been putting petrol into it the whole time 
and now that it's you know it's knackered the engine's knackered so they're on all these pills and i'd be like do you want to know what the right fuel is and then i would just teach them the right fuel and i'd say just give this one you just gotta do one thing this week you're just gonna you're, you're drinking two liters of coke a day all you're gonna do is swap it for um just for one week just do this one thing don't do anything else for like fresh lemon juice with some soda even soda water is going to be better than you know a little bit of honey is going to be better than the the, the coca-cola that are on so i would just make little simple changes like that and most people who took my advice uh most people actually fought, like carried on with it uh within a week had massive improvements with their health like weight dropping off you know blood pressure becoming more uh, balanced and things like that diabetes was literally in one week of just making that one shift amazing uh, results so i had doctors calling me up suddenly and at first i thought that's it i'm in deep shit but they were like calling me up going what are you doing this is amazing keep going so i started to just like do this at a bigger scale and it got me fired for my first job because i was mismanaging the pharmacy but it got me promoted to the head office of one of the biggest corporations in the UK. Wow. Uh, it's a long story, long story, but I got there. And now I'm like in this position of kind of influence. We were going to do a, a project, a healthy shopping list service that could have helped millions of people to educate them. This was back in 2010. So it was kind of still unknown, this stuff, like on a mainstream level, like sugar, you know, and fat, fat being healthy and sugar being bad was very alien. So... You know, I had to well, and, veg- and then vegetable oils being so catastrophically yes. damaging as well. So yeah. I was telling people not to eat vegetables, to swap for, except for olive oil, to swap for, um, you know, uh, eating a whole food, balanced food diet with lean meat or any kind of meats that they like. Lots of healthy oils. And yep. instead of all the junk processed foods that they're, they're eating every day and all the Coca-Colas and fizzy drinks and all that stuff. And it was really hard to convince certain managers in this company that this was the way to go and that it would eventually benefit them because this is the way I believe the world's going. People are becoming more and more awake. And if you're the first corporation to do this, everyone's going to love you and they're going to want to keep coming back to you. But they didn't think that in the end and uh, they shelved the idea. And that's when I got so disillusioned with the state of humanity. I was like... We're all doomed. Forget it. There's no hope. You know, I've pushed so hard to get to this point. There's no God. Forget it. They don't even deserve it. So what? I've 100% been in that position as well. I totally get it. And then that's when I got hit with an illness. I got ulcerative colitis. And that was it. I was housebound for almost a year. Shitting blood like 40 times a day. I was ready to just surrender and die. Because I just lost all hope, all faith. And it was going through that where I really understood health. Like I had a superficial understanding of health through a little bit of knowledge of diet. But when you go through a chronic autoimmune disease, that's when you really figure things out. And I had to make a choice because the consultant said, stress doesn't have any effects. Uh, Diet doesn't have any effects. Shut up, take the pills. If these pills don't work, you're going to take your colon out. That was, she was so cold. She was this huge, obese, overweight lady shoving cameras up people's bums, telling them they got this and that and diagnosing them in the most horrific way. Um, Very, very kind of doom and gloom scenarios. 
where there's no hope unless you follow their their orders very like like um military like you know it's horrible so i'm gonna go back and tell her like i've just stayed away from hospitals i don't want to go ever near hospitals but i feel like now with the way the world's going we need to just shake up the entire whole medical system and we need we need more whistle i'm gonna like say something anyway because this, I'm, not, I'm in a, I'm in a weird mood today because there's too many weird things going at. on. You know what I mean? Nah, man, I'm totally with you. I know where you're at, and I think Western medicine is. Um, like the worst form of leadership with the kind of doctor you're describing in the sense of yeah. do as I say, not as I do. And that, yeah. that's just terrible leadership in the context of health because so many people sit in front of their health professional that is not an example of health that clearly can't execute on these these instructions or these healthy lifestyles or behaviors that would lead to health. So how, how do you expect the population to follow if you're sitting in front of someone that is not an yeah. example of the outcome? Yes, exactly. You got it. So I, I, um, I was given literally two choices and uh, luckily they say God stands for gift of desperation. I was so desperate. Then somebody came to my rescue, a yoga teacher in the UK. She said to me, uh, if you can heal yourself without all this crap um, by following you know, your roots, pranayama, yoga, meditation, Ayurveda, uh, you could stand a very good chance of recovering and you'd be an amazing role model. And actually that bit of hope, that change in perception was a huge, huge like trigger for me, like to that awakening kind of to a new new perspective it was a massive relief, you know, and uh, I could see the light because another thing she said was, you know, this is what Tony Robbins says a lot is model success. It's not, he just gets it from other people. Jim Rohn's quote is, model success you know like model people who are successful if, if you want to get a result find people who've got that result and just do what they do copy it and yeah. so i started to look at to find people who had healed themselves of colitis naturally and there was a common thread of they'd use some kind of ancient practice and then they'd use some kind of understanding of nutrition and, and physiology and things like that so I just went back into my roots, followed her advice. I learned pranayama, I learned Ayurveda, just basic stuff, and started to use these techniques. Pranayama, which is uh, literally, it means energy control, um, is a series of breathing exercises from ancient India. And I figured out a way to make it better, more fun, by putting music to it. And the music would get you into these altered brainwave states. And I, would be, I was very much into this reprogramming of the unconscious mind. And there's also another book that's worth reading, The Power of the Subconscious Mind by Joseph Murphy. He was a pharmacist, like back in the 1940s or whatever. And they call him the father of personal development because he wrote a lot of books about the subconscious mind, things like that. They're now what a lot of um, kind of personal development people quote from. And, and he was actually a pharmacist, but he went again, he was like a renegade of his time. So I use techniques from there. I use uh, these pranayama techniques, which are very, if you look, they're quite similar to what Wim Hof does, uh, what we teach in Summer Breath. Just very simple breathing techniques that changes your physiology and also can be used to get you into these trance states where you can reprogram the unconscious mind. Because according to Ayurveda, disease is a spiritual disturbance and, uh, and it's to do with energy. So... When your energy goes out of alignment, okay, because of stress and like a traumatic life event creates massive stress 
and it affects your whole physiology. And when you lose like faith or hope, these are like the biggest killers of, of people. So, you know, when a, when a doctor gives you like three months left to live kind of statements, that's it, your hope's gone. And then that's when you start to die. Or when you go for a medical checkup, and medical checkups are one of the biggest manufacturers of disease. You go for a medical checkup and say, every year women go for, uh, to see if they've got any cysts, right? So most yep. ovarian cysts do not amount to anything. They're so common, almost every woman gets them. They rarely turn into anything nasty, right? But every year, a doctor will find in a patient a, a cyst. And they'll say, oh, you know, you just got a slight cyst here. And nothing to worry about at the moment. But then as you're walking out the door, he'll go, but there's a slight chance that it could become cancer. And then that's it. Then you're done. Because as soon as they tell you that, it gets into your head. And all you can think about is, oh, my God, my cyst can turn to cancer. Cyst can turn to cancer. It's all you think about all day long. If I was to check you right now, there's going to be three or four cancer cells in your body. So if For you sure. take, if you identify, if you use a medical test that amplify the result uh, high enough, you're going to get positive reading no matter what, right? So you're going to find cancer in, in almost anyone. And then you're going to say to them, oh, you have cancer cells. So we must give you this or that to make sure you never get the cancer. Or you must do this or that, you know, some medical intervention. And that medical intervention usually involves some kind of chemical drug. A chemical drug goes to the liver, toxifies the liver, and then that's a cascade of disease after that. You become a conveyor belt, a machine, uh, you know, for, for drugs. Yeah, yeah. I think it's really interesting that you said like the medical checkup is one of the biggest manufacturers of disease. I think that's a really good way to conceptualize that. But interesting that Nathan Crane, who organized the summit we were on, him and I did a podcast episode and he was talking about the fact that like diagnoses and, and prognoses should be illegal to give to someone because you yes. essentially hand someone a set of belief systems about a, you know, that are limited in dimension, that are not scalable in hope or, you know, intention, and you just hand over a life sentence. And it's not necessarily the, the disease that takes over your body as much as it is the toxic mindset that then fuels the disease state. Yes, 100%. It's black magic. It's very well-structured, organized black magic. Remember, pharmacy evolved from alchemy, the al original alchemists. And some of them were dark, dark people, man. They're not all like, you know, we look at in New Age, the alchemists as these like good mystical <laughs> benevolent people the ascended masters no they're not all of like that some of them are pretty twisted and they would they realize that they can make a fortune and be the most powerful people in the world the pharmaceutical industry is three times more powerful than the oil companies right so they are the biggest most powerful lobby in the world they make most of the money and most of the laws for humanity look at what's going on right now in the world they are dictating the laws and the we were you know right now this is the funny fact that people don't realize it's the best time ever to be alive actually like in the 1980s more than it was 40 percent of people lived on less than two dollars a day now actually guess what that number is how many people live on less than two dollars a day i have no idea 10 percent yeah, you, you're spot on. Like, it's about 9%. So 
So we are actually really, really like living in an abundant, you know, planet. But if you turn on the news, you turn on the media, if you, if you listen to your doctor or anyone who comes from these, these industries, right? You are, you'd think that the world's going to end tomorrow. You know what I mean? So I think there's a lot of illusion, like, you know, Maya means the illusion in the, in the Vedic philosophy and, so we've been sped a lot of, lot of, from marketing, advertising, from the fact that pharmaceutical companies can advertise in between news shows on TV, and it's just unbelievable, man. Yeah. yeah, and I totally agree. It's the best time to be alive, but at the same time, I kind of think the world is always in balance. It's that scientific idea, you know, in physics and biology that for every action, there's a reaction. And so as, a, as more abundant the earth gets so does the evil grow in the world at the same proportion so it's a, i think it's a matter of you know navigating our perspectives and exposing ourselves to the right people and you know people like you are able to open people's minds into that abundant side of the conversation because i think they're both always there it's just about yeah. where you focus your energy so definitely fo- speaking about focusing focusing that energy can we get into can you share some of the breathwork stuff that really starts helping people open up their consciousness, their mind, fueling their body with the fuels, fuels that it needs to heal and recover? 100%. So, so basically, if you, according to quantum science, okay, everything is energy, E equals M, right? Energy equals matter. They, it's duality in the Advaita philosophy, duality. all right? Everything coexists at the same time. So... Basically, we have a whole energy matrix within us, okay? A whole system of energy within us. According to the Ayurvedic system, they call them doshas. So vata, pitta, kapha. We are composed of different energies. And according to like yoga, the philosophy of yoga is, uh, yoga is a union of the inner world with the outer world. And you become your environment, okay? So by harnessing the energy within by controlling the energy within we can change our uh, relationship with the external world we can create a union with the external world we can create a harmony wherever we go be in balance we can also with deeper practice actually change the environment around us that's when we get into the more metaphysical uh like applications of energy control which is where you literally can manifest what you want right that's complete yeah. control of energy itself. So pranayama means energy control, okay? So pra- pranayama, and that's the system of breathing techniques as well as different ways of breathing with um, movement that will change the energy state within your body. So where is energy produced in the body? It's in the mitochondria. And how is that energy produced? By breathing. When you breathe in, you breathe in oxygen. Now, oxygen goes in to every single cell goes into the mitochondria and and mitochondria are like little energy packs like a fire burning oxygen burns with glucose to produce ATP carbon dioxide and water ATP is the is biophotonic energy it's the driver of energy and the currency of energy in your body it's how every single cell communicates with each other through photonic energy okay we're really like beings Right. We are light body, we're light beings because the energy that is produced and the way every cell communicates is through this ATP. And yeah. 
So by controlling your energy flow through the breath, you can actually affect the energy within. And there are various different breathing techniques that allows you to change your energetic state. So that's what pranayama is. It's a school of that. It's a series of these techniques. It's like a pharmacy. We have our own inner pharmacy. All right. All farm. All drugs do is they go in and they affect the energetic systems in the body because they work on either parasympathetic or sympathetic nervous system. Uh, so they either switch on the parasympathetic or switch on the sympathetic. So picture this, right? Unlocking your potential, conquering emotional eating, and gaining insights directly from a health and nutrition expert such as myself. That's what we do inside the Healthy Mums Collective Facebook group, which is currently free to join. If you've ever felt trapped by food challenges, struggled with maintaining a healthy lifestyle, or yearned for a community that understands the reasons why you've yo-yo dieted for years, then there's a new chapter waiting to be written. And this is your chance to start writing it by joining us all on Facebook Lives, on engaging posts that push you out of your comfort zone and into growth, and Q&A sessions with me. All of this works as a platform to begin changing your emotional eating problems for good. Oh, and also, as a special gift, you receive my transformative How to Turn Food into Self-Confidence ebook. And that's also for free. I get it. Skepticism might linger. You might think, Maddie, I've heard these ads and I'm not sure. Well, at least a quarter of the members inside the Healthy Mums Collective Facebook group have been paying clients of my emotional eating program at some point over the last three or four years. So if you're not sure, you can post in the group and ask to find out if I'm the real deal or not. It's totally up to you. To join us in the free Healthy Mums Collective and to end your emotional eating and feel good in your own skin and begin that journey, pop down to the show notes below, click the link and breeze through three simple entry questions. Join today and let's embark on a journey of growth and empowerment. The link is in the show notes below. And for the, for the listeners as well, that's, that's the difference between the fight and flight yeah. state of the body and the rest, digest and repair state of the body. Yeah, sympathetic is the action, the doing. It's, it's what allows you to make stuff happen. The parasympathetic is where you relax and you become passive and you start to regenerate and heal and digest and things like and that. And people need to spend some more yeah. time in that state. <laughs> yes, because we are always switched on. We're hardwired right from the moment we wake up to be on alert, danger, danger, danger. Go, Turn go, go, news, go, go, go. <laughs> yeah, coffee, you know, whatever. Like we're nonstop like in a stress, but not, always, not all stress is bad. So there's good positive stress and negative stress. So in pranayama, you can use the sympathetic nervous system to create a positive stress response, which has, that's what gives you life. That's what gives you enthusiasm for life. So being pa- very parasympathetic is also not good. Like it can make you have apathy, it can have low energy, uh, like vibrations, like apathy, uh, fear, which is like paralysis, which is also a parasympathetic state eventually, where you don't move, you can't move, you can't even get out of bed, depression, right? So we want a positive, we want a positive stress as much as possible during the day. That's what makes us thrive. It's what dilates blood vessels. It produces anti-aging hormones within us. It's what makes us alive for life. It makes us do things, accomplish great things in the world, right? And we want a balance with the parasympathetic, but we don't want to overdo any of the two. You need to rest as much as we play. So in pranayama, the idea was you could actually harness each one of these sides, the nervous system, for your own advantage, okay, for your own survival advantage. So you can get into parasympathetic autosays of consciousness to reprogram the mind, to reprogram you with thoughts that 
empower you to take action in a positive way. You can use it to get into creative states where you download incredible ideas and and visions of what you want to attract into the, the, the world or create into the world. And then you can use sympathetic states to create unstoppable energy, courage, motivation to get stuff done, determination, right? So these pranayama techniques combined with meditation, affirmation, yoga as well, you'd have a system, a school, tantric yoga, of con- complete control over your energy. And through that, you can live much longer. You can live free of disease. You can create incredible works of art genius you can make incredible love to whoever you choose to be with and you can just enjoy life to the absolute max that's that's the goal of tantra yoga not about hiding off in a cave and and disappearing into nothingness if you want to do that you can also do that too but it's also about finding your truth and you can use certain yogic tantra yogic practices to literally unravel all of the conditioning that's happened in the first seven years of your life. So imagine all the things that we're learning now in psychology today, hypnotherapy today, like conditioning and and how our habits are formed and how the first seven years of your life is where most of your belief patterns and conditions are created. Imagine that they knew all this thousand years ago already. And that school of tantric yoga was all about learning about yourself. Know thyself is the ultimate mantra in in the Vedic philosophy, which is we are the products of our conditioning and a little bit our genetics. So this is where the past life comes into our genetic past life. You know, you hear people talking about past life regression and all this, and we've lived all these many years. Well, the genetic component has a play in that, but it was just your store of your DNA, which is your like literally your archive of historical data right and through that dna you get hardwired conditioned imprints that basically creates a more of a predictable pattern of how you react to things how the taste you have the belief systems you create anyway so throughout your life for the first seven years especially you get bombarded by tv media news all these different things that creates a conditioned reality of of what re- of the cultural hypnosis wants you to be. So I grew, I grew up in an Indian family, very academic. You may not be a pharmacist, doctor, lawyer, accountant, uh, or you're disowned, basically. Do you know what I mean? No pressure, so, no pressure. No, no pressure. <laughs> so all of this is your crazy reality tunnel. It creates a, a very predictable like kind of pattern for people. And actually, marketing companies love this because they can predict human behavior for many, many years, you know, into the future because they know people are driven by reality tunnels of predictable behavior and patterning until for some people things happen that shakes them up. For some people it's a massive dose of psychedelics. Other people is like me going for a very chronic illness. Other people are just born misfits, right? They, they just see things that other people don't see. They don't belong anywhere. And then they go off and either you know, become total hermits or they become like Steve Jobs and change the whole world, right? So, so yeah, so we all are conditioned by certain behavioral traits, conditioning, and with certain practices, and that's what where breath work comes in, our breathing techniques, um, we have different, so I can't say we're one method, you know, like with Wim Hof, yeah. it's one breathing pack. We're not. 
with a variety of different breathing practices from pranayama, but I create a pharmaceutical use for them, if you know what I mean. So there are breathing practices for figuring out who you are, to relieve, to, to change your perception so you don't become depressed anymore. Because by knowing who you are, you stop blaming yourself for everything that you've done in the past. You stop blaming others. You have more compassion and forgiveness. Because by unraveling all this emotion that's been trapped, unresolved from past events, you can suddenly see yourself and the world in a different way. So these are our more powerful uh, breathwork techniques. They're more like holotropic or rebirthing in their, in their application. Then we have what are called the daily doses. These are techniques you do every day that strengthens your nervous system, but also makes you incredibly efficient at using oxygen. Okay, So here's the thing. There's a reason for oxygen efficiency and why, why it's a big, important goal of yoga. But people have forgotten about it. In mainstream yoga, everyone's forgotten about this. But modern science, we all know now that oxygen is corrosive to, the, to metal, to humans as well. And it causes a rust. Harvard did a whole study on this, that we rust internally because of oxygen, oxidative stress. There's a scientist called Helmut Sees who coined the term oxidative stress. He said, although it's very difficult to live without oxygen, it's also very difficult to live with oxygen because of this phenomenon of oxidative stress. So basically, the yogis knew this as well. And they studied animals in nature and they found that animals that live a very long period of time, they breathe very slow breathing rates, two to four breaths a minute, elephants and turtles. Animals that live a very short time, like one to two years, <coughs> like rabbits, mice, rats, they have very fast breathing patterns, 20 to 40 breaths per minute, right? There's an anomaly to this. The naked mole rat, they live up to 30 years free of disease <coughs> and they basically have a different they're unique they're novel to all the other rats is because they live predominantly underground in hypoxic conditions and hold their breath for like 18 minutes at a time whales wow. they can hold their breath for two minutes two hours <coughs> and they live like 200 years so there is a relationship between hypoxia, your ability to hold your breath, your, which is your oxygen efficiency, how efficient you're using oxygen. So that means how, much, how little amount of oxygen you need to use to create the same amount of energy, all right? Yeah. There's a relationship with that and your telomere length. Telomeres are your little bumpers for your DNA and they protect your DNA. And the, when over time, Things like oxidative stress, free radical damage, chemicals, and things like that, they shrink your telomeres, and then you die. But if you can, you can protect your telomeres by using breath control techniques, becoming very efficient using oxygen, and that way your overall breathing rate slows right down, becomes completely calm, and you basically get this uh, efficiency for oxygen. Your stamina goes up, your endurance goes up, your ability to think is more, much more clearer, more focused. You just become a stronger, healthier human. Here's the other yeah. thing. When you breathe a lot, when you overbreathe, a lot of people do this uh, unconsciously because of stress. Stress makes you 
actually demand your demand for oxygen goes up just like you're gonna run uh, into battle or run away your oxygen demands go up so you over, you start to breathe faster same thing when you're emotionally stressed if you're triggered your breathing rate goes up and you start to breathe quite a lot of people breathe through their mouth you start to over breathe this means you breathe in more oxygen and you breathe out carbon dioxide uh, faster rate and you get more oxygen stuck to your red blood cells you need carbon dioxide to get the oxygen off red blood cells into the cells where it needs to go. If you breathe out all that carbon dioxide because you're over-breathing, you get this stress within the body. And oxygen is constricting. You get high blood pressure because it's vasoconstricting. Because your, your body's trying to suppress the amount of oxygen. It's trying to limit it. And your nose is there for a reason. Also, it's a narrow air tube. So when you breathe through your nose, your airflow is already reduced. When you breathe through your mouth, it's like you're getting too much oxygen coming in, too much carbon dioxide going out. So nose breathing is key. And uh, all the breathing techniques, like if you look in yoga, they do this alternate nostril breathing. What what it's really doing is it's slowing down oxygen flow. And what that does is it raises carbon dioxide and nitric oxide, another amazing ingredient that we all need. And what that does is it dilates blood vessels, blood pressure comes down. Blood pressure also causes heart disease because constri- like narrow blood vessels, you get more pressure and more damage from injury of blood going through the vessels, which leads to inflammation and then blood clots and then you die. Heart disease is still the number one cause of death. The media might suggest that it's viruses and things like that. Absolutely nowhere near the scale of heart disease and things like that. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks so much for sharing all that. I think that was profound. And I think as well, the interesting thing, well, firstly, the relationship between um, the amount of breaths you take per minute or per hour and the length of life is super interesting. But I think as well, another factor in that, in, that contributes to that internal rusting of the human body that you talked about that they looked at at Harvard is that the, the free radicals and the radical oxygen species that appear in ourselves and damage telomeres and the DNA is also vastly contributed to by, of course, the poor breathing, shallow breathing, you know, doing it too much over oxygenation. But also the vegetable, we talked about this earlier on, the vegetable oils, the sugar diets, the super high stress lifestyles and excessive adrenaline and cortisol these just add to this over-oxygenation through free radicals and through radical oxygen species. And so we're just, our cells are just overwhelmed with this oxygen in all sorts of different forms and compounds that are, that are contributing to that internal rusting. Yeah, totally. If you just look at like history, right? There was a time when there was hunter-gatherers and then agricultural age, and that's when the slave drivers came in and the feudal systems were created where kings enslaved hunter-gatherers and made them work on the farms for really long hours, like eight to ten hours a day. And then they compared the bones, right? They compared the bones of hunter-gatherer lifestyles uh, compared to agricultural lifestyles. They found that people who were basically slaves on the farms, they lived significantly shorter lives. They were full of uh, dental caries, wheat bones, and what were they feeding mostly? On grains. They were living off grains. The hunter-gatherers were living off woolly mammoths, living off uh, animals. They would, like, attack, get the hunt, get the animal, and then chill and, and, and be more social for the rest of the time. 
right now, what we're having right now, what we're seeing right now in today's day and age, and I, I'm not a conspiracy theorist, right? I'm a conspiracy realist. We are living in a time where the, the, there's a battle going on between the hunter-gatherer people who, uh, want, who live free, they li they're free-thinking, they make their own rules, they don't work for anybody else, they're independent, they uh, live in social communities and things like that, uh, and they're, they're very social people, actually. But right now we're, going, we're having a battle between that and the ancient feudal systems that are crumbling who want to enslave all humans into a plastic-based, uh, controllable state of living <clears throat> which means working even longer hours high taxation because that's what the agricultural age did it introduced taxation for the first time hunter gatherers didn't tax each other you know they didn't do all that shit and we're going to go into a place time where meat will be eradicated and we're all going to have to eat plastic uh, lab grown or um plastic literally vegetable oil based meats artificial meats sausages or all that shit fake and, and things like that and breads that are like completely plastic and that's all the choice we're gonna that's literally the battle going on right now humanity needs to wake up and realize what do they want do they want do they want a life where they where they're literally suffering with disease most of their life being fed uh you know pills to to just keep us going a little bit longer so we can pay tax for just a few more years or do we want to go back to freedom because we have we can both we can have both choices we can do both right the world can easily uh hold if you look if you actually speak to environmentalists who are who are not able to speak because they get censored if you speak to those ones you get censored we can live in abundance for a very long time uh with a lot more people than we've got right now on the planet but there is a feudal system that wants to an ancient one that is losing its power over humans that wants to they have one last shot at it to enslave all humans under their system that's the battle going on right now right what do we want because the science does not at all confirm anything that this feudal system the pharmaceutical system the uh, ridiculous environmental system and all that stuff is trying to tell us that the world's going to end in five years and all this doom and gloom, fear-mongering, it just does not make sense. If you are an educated scientist who actually studies, and here's one of the facts. I'm, I'm very outspoken on this because I have hung out with all different types of people in my life. The extreme hippies and also the corporate people, doctors, pharmacists. I have a lot of them in our, my family as well who are educated science bullshit they're not frigging edu education does not stop when you go to university education carries on every single day but i'll tell you most doctors and pharmacists that i meet and i have met they do they do not at all look at any study other than the ones that the pretty little girl in the, his stilettos comes in the medical rep comes in and says oh this chart shows you that this drug outperforms that last drug that we just sold you um, so you should go on to this drug, even though, uh, you know, oh, there's all these stuff, but forget about the side, it doesn't matter about side effects. Uh, and then they'll take them, wine and dine them, they'll give them, like, free stuff, and I, I've been there, man. They've tried to do it to me in the pharmacy, and it's all a load of bollocks. It's a business, it's yeah. an industry. This is the big battle going on right now between 
freedom. Yeah, I've been privy to that unfortunate yeah. side of the pharmaceutical side of the conversation too. Yeah, but sorry, continue on. Yeah, so we are, you know, this, this like these people they don't study anymore. So this and they and because they are they went to medical school because they went to pharmacy school because they have this science degree, they think that they are superior in their intellect than anyone else. So they're so easy to deceive. You just you just they just have to be given the right press release from the right source which just tells them that and that's all they'll read and they'll be like they've made their mind up just off that. Then there's that's like actually a large percentage of most of the medical people that I've met. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And that's the problem with the academic model is that it's it's yeah. a, it's a structure of thinking that is a single narrow structure of yeah. thinking and our whole society is predicated on this um, status or method of thinking being a prestigious and amazing thing to to utilize and it's it, it totally negates and ignores every other possible pers- perspective on a topic yeah completely completely i lost hope when i went to a university Re- reading university where i'm actually from it's quite a prestigious university and they study ayurvedic medicine there right and they try and uh yeah prove things i went there with colostrum, which is the stuff that I used that healed my gut dramatically. And I said, I, re- I think this is incredible. I've got amazing testimonials, academic, anecdotal results, like like at least 30 I could show you. Uh, I want to do a proper test. She said, and this is, a fa- this is a well-known person in Ayurvedic research. She said, sorry, we can't touch this because there's no money in it. We can only, we won't get funding. We can only do things... That, are, that can be eventually turned into drugs. There's no way colostrum can be turned into a drug. If you could think of a way for it to be, then maybe you can get some fun. And she just said it very straight up. And I was yeah. like, whoa, okay, then that's it. It's game over. Forget it. So um, so what I'm saying is like a lot of these people we assume to be smart and we trust with so many decisions for our lives, are they, they stopped being smart. They stopped being smart the moment they went to school. The moment they went to school, they, you know, every child is born a genius until they get turned into an idiot at school. Uh, there's a famous quote from somebody, I can't remember who said that. And that's exactly what's going on. Like, you get, you get brainwashed into a, a money-making scheme, and that's what's been going on. So I find I've lost a lot of faith. There's a lot of also doctors, amazing ones. And in fact, we have a lot of them as our Soma Breath instructors now who are just too scared to speak out, to say anything, because they'll lose their job. So you've got censorship, then you've got apathy, you've got all this you're fighting up against. It's very, very, it's very tricky. You can look, you can look this up as well. There's an a, a article that came out that said that now there was over a thousand doctors um, who are leaving the NHS, or more, as more as thousands of doctors leaving the NHS this year because and 50% of them said it's because they're scared to speak out that they get censored that they're not allowed to speak out they're gonna so they want to leave the profession they're done with it it happened to me last year when I worked in the hospital Um, I got reported by members of the public for speaking about things that we've even alluded to in this conversation um, and got a tap on the shoulder from the higher-ups to and and actually even worse uh, a friend of mine been on the podcast as well um, doctor in the spiritual care team, uh, he ended up leaving the hospital and being threatened with a f- like a $60,000 fine because of, again, 
topics that you and I today are even talking about. Like, you got $60,000 fine. He got threatened with one, yeah. he did. I don't think he actually got it, but he got a letter that said, the next step will be this, this fine. And, and he was a doctor. And I know, yep, medical doctor. Wow. I worked with him. We used, to keep, we, we used to do lunch together. We used to do Facebook Lives on health and nutrition from the garden kind of thing. And, um, yeah, it's, like, it's a real thing, and I've totally been through this cycle and been very close, just like you, to people that have been exposed to that tyrannical, hierarchical you know, reality of, what most of the people listening to this podcast would never, ever otherwise be aware of. Yeah, I know. I'm on a bit of a rant today, but... Well, we love it. That's why we've yeah. got a podcast. It's for ranting. Yeah. <laughs> There's a doctor in India called Dr. B.M. Hegde, who is a wealth of knowledge. Um, he's India's top doctor, actually. He has the highest awards that you can get in India. And uh, the politicians are the one who go to him as well, and celebrities. It's probably why yeah. he hasn't been shut down yet. But he has loads of videos on YouTube where he just completely exposes all of the shenanigans in the medical system. Check him out, Dr. B.M. Hegde. He's like my, my guru. I, I love everything that he's about. Well, I've, been, so I've taken so many notes in this conversation and there's, I feel like we could do another 25 podcasts. There's so many rabbit yeah. holes we could go down and I'd love to have you on the show. But so everyone can connect with you that's sort of resonating with your passion and what you're talking about. Where can everybody find you online? Yeah, uh, so somabreath.com is our school of breathwork. And uh, you can go on there and you can actually check out uh, all of our different options. So we, you can find an instructor. We've got a lot in Australia now, actually, um, quite a few. Uh, so you can find instructors near you who do these amazing, um, powerful, transformative breathwork experiences um and they can also help you correct your breathing and check like if you've been affected your stress levels have been affected and all that stuff they're, they're really well trained for that but uh so there's you can find an instructor but there's also our courses like the 21 day awakening protocol which you've taken which you've tried yeah which is a yeah, very absolutely loved course it. <clears throat> it teaches you a lot of amazing things but it really is also geared around this intermittent hypoxic protocol so Kumbaka, this breath retention technique where you're holding your breath in various ways, it's what trains you for oxygen efficiency. That protocol revolves around that. And it's basically simulating um, what they do in intermittent hypoxic training protocols, but using your breath. And this is a very powerful, I mean, our results are incredible. Like people regaining eyesight, you know, not having to wear contacts. People with, well, one story recently was uh, a guy who has a rare muscular wasting disease uh, where it's like muscular dystrophy, like the rare form of it. He couldn't pick up his, his grandson. Then it, all he did was this uh, 21 day protocol and then our daily dose every single day for six months. He was able to pick up his grandson. And then for a year, all he did was uh, the, the breathing techniques and the doctors were baffled because they did a scan and his muscles are growing back. So these breathing techniques, what they do is they wake up using the power of hypoxia, your own stem cells, very small embryonic-like stem cells, and also uh, your own natural innate intelligence to lower inflammation and heal. And it also helps to prevent um, oxidative stress, and to slow your overall breathing rate down. So that's why this 21 days is very dramatic, very profound. And then, then we also have the instructor training courses, so you can become an instructor. 
as well. Yeah, that's amazing. So for everybody listening, I'll chuck those links down below and I definitely recommend the uh, 21-day course. It's phenomenal. I've done it and I've been practicing that every day for a couple of weeks now, which is phenomenal. So thank you so much for your time here today, Niraj. It's been such a good conversation. I definitely want to have another one. Um, And so for anybody that wants to connect, of course, or share this episode, if you feel like somebody you know might benefit or you want to share it with a family member, take a screenshot or share this episode with a friend you know or on your social media, in your Instagram stories, Facebook, LinkedIn, you know, wherever you like to hang out. There's so many these days. But um, before we go, of, of all the phenomenal things we've touched on today and, and that we didn't touch on today, what is one piece of health information that you wish more people knew about? Right. So first thing I want to say, like, obviously, I just want to make a caveat that I don't, I'm not against all doctors and pharmacists and all that. Actually, 90% of them are amazing people who want to help. They just got given a different system from, from, and they're really good at emergencies. I would go to a doctor if like there's a, you know, if I've had a car crash or heart attack or whatever, you know, you're going to, emergency situation, acute stuff, they're brilliant. Not so good when it comes to... Yeah, not so good when it comes to preventing things like chronic illnesses and and things like that. Not so good at. And, you know, the results show um, there's more diabetes than ever before, more heart disease rates, you know. So so actually, when it comes to prevention of chronic stuff, not so good. Go and find somebody who's successful, model success and do that. I always think of it like Western medicine is good if you don't want to be sick and Eastern medicine is good if you want to be well. Yes, that's very good. It's very good. If you want to be at your optimum, yeah. So, and also a, a mantra I like to to keep in mind is that the first two letters of wellness is we. The first letter of illness is I. So, illness usually begins when we become extremely I focused, full of hubris. All we care about is ourselves don't care about community we don't care about interacting and it's all about me 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 and that massive ego can usually backfire on you and make you sick and paranoid and depressed and isolated and all that so illness i we wellness is we so wellness is really about community friendships connection connecting with other people's heart and soul and seeing humanity as a community you know and, and and living together in harmony that's what i'm that's my mantra is like focus on the wellness weeness yeah i love that amazing niraj thank you so much for your time i'm definitely looking forward to doing this again um and yeah really grateful for all your wisdom your knowledge that you share today so thank you amazing much love peace you too we'll chat soon chat soon Thanks for listening to the How to Not Get Sick and Die podcast. If you love this episode and health information is your thing, then please consider subscribing to the show. And when you're done, head over to iTunes, Google Podcast, or whichever app you use. And we'd be grateful if you could leave us a five-star rating and write a review sharing your opinion on the show as it really helps the podcast grow. Thanks so much and I'll see you on the next episode.
Whilst the presenter that feature on this podcast endeavor to provide accurate information, it cannot possibly take into account your individual circumstances, and therefore the content on this podcast provided by any of the speakers is not intended as advice in any way for any individual, and should not be a replacement for professional medical or health advice of any nature. Always seek advice regarding your personal situation from a qualified medical professional.